It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum Number 272, Quantum podcast that looks at news and views from throughout the world from a Christian perspective, but open to all. Well, I guess most of this week's program is going to be looking at one issue, and uh, I'm pretty sure you know what it will be. But let's start with the cranberries. Pretty well sums up how I feel. It is the Cranberries uh, song Zombies, written about the troubles in Northern Ireland and everything going on in people's heads with the tanks and the guns and everything else. Uh, There's a live version in Paris, which is absolutely stunning, by the way, as well. So we are looking at Israel and Gaza. Now, there is so much that we could have looked at. Um, unless you've been hiding under a rock, you've got to know what has happened. Um, the, uh, there was an attack on uh, Israel from hundreds of Hamas. Um, I would call them terrorists. The BBC is reluctant to call them terrorists, but I would call them terrorists. And uh, slaughter of at least 1,200 Israelis. And of course, now there's going to be an invasion of Gaza and there's been bombing of Gaza and many... Palestinians have died and will die as well. But uh, maybe just a couple of clips. Let's begin with this. So let's go to the live pictures that are coming to us from Gaza City. You can see some flashes off in the distance. Uh, That is more gunfire than anything else, but occasionally you see uh, 
quite a large explosion of orange light. That would be when a rocket hits, but we haven't seen one of those for a while. More than 1,000 Israelis have died so far in Hamas attacks. That's according to Israel's Defence Force. The Palestinian Ministry of Health reports at least 830 people have so far died in Gaza since Saturday. And Sky News's Mark Austin filed this report from Jerusalem where funerals, many of them, are now taking place. It was one funeral after another here, almost one every hour. The one we witnessed was of 21-year-old Afia Tester, whose tank unit was attacked on the Gaza border. With fighter jets threatening to drown out the eulogy, it's clear the sense of security they have cultivated here has been shattered in 48 hours. But it is, say, those mourning their friends, a moment that will bring unity to a divided Israeli nation. I believe that everyone here, those who, you know, in the right side of the, the map and the left side, everyone wants the best for the country. It's, it's tough. We, not, we disagree about a lot of stuff, but in the end we all want the best for the country, the best for the citizen. Families destroyed by loss. It is what war does. And the overwhelming sadness is that on both sides of this seemingly unbridgeable divide, there is much, much more to come. Funerals of, well, as I say, are already being held for the hundreds over a thousand Israelis dead. Um, where do we go with all of this? I want to suggest some principles for discussing this because I tried to record this yesterday and found it just really, really difficult. And in my experience, mentioning Israel, it just seems to be like a red rag to a bull to so many people. On the one hand, there are those for whom Israel can never do anything wrong. And on the other hand, there are those for whom Israel is evil and can never do anything right. And I'm trying to look at this, I don't know, from a broader perspective, I hope. But anyway, here we, here we go with, uh, these are the, the principles I would want to say. And it's just simply this. Number one, never excuse or add but to the atrocities of Hamas. Listen to this. Now there's dispute about how many and what's involved, but there is no doubt that babies and young children have been horrifically slaughtered. Um, I'm not even going to describe the scenes for a very good reason, apart from the fact they're so disturbing. And even my reading about them, I've certainly not looked at anything that involved them. Um, it's just unbelievable, the inhumanity of man to man. The Kafi Arasa, as well as Kibbutz Beria and Kibbutz Rim, show that... Hamas were intent on brutalizing their mass murder spree and this is intended to provoke and it is intended to leave a deep psychological imprint behind. No matter what you say you are doing, no matter saying, well, you know, there's a reason for it, it is inexcusable. 
And it is for me, it's not just that some people in the West have been celebrating this, but it's the number of people who seek to excuse it. So never excuse or add but to the atrocities of Hamas. Number two, don't glorify the violence or spread the horror. The Hamas terrorists knew exactly what they were doing, filming these things and putting them out. And this advice from the Israeli government, which I think is excellent advice, says this. Within the next few hours, Hamas terrorists are expected to disseminate photos and videos of hostages and acts of torture across social media platform. The government of Israel urgently requests the following actions be taken. One, Do not engage in sharing these images or videos under any circumstances. Doing so contributes to psychological warfare against both the state of Israel and its citizens. Two, shield minors from exposure to this disturbing content. The images and videos are highly graphic and could induce significant emotional distress. Your cooperation in adhering to these directives is critically important. I think that all you and I need to know without seeing is that children, women, men as well, of course, not in battle, there have been some soldiers, but the majority not, have been indiscriminately slaughtered, hunted down. Over 260 at the the music festival, for example, So we don't glorify the violence or spread the horror. Principle number three, and this is not in contradiction of principle one, never excuse or add but to the atrocities of Hamas, but principle number three is also important. Don't forget the suffering of the people in Gaza. They have suffered and they will suffer enormously. They are under a brutal regime. Hamas supported by Iran and funded by Iran and others, have no qualms about using children as shields and have no regard for civilians. They're quite happy to put rockets into mosques and hospitals. Egypt blocks the border. Gaza is just such a tiny area in which two million people live. Before people could go out, they could get passes to go uh, to Israel to work and so on. Of course, that's all gone now. Um, Their needs, the UN is looking for a humanitarian corridor and that would be into Egypt, but the Egyptians, of course, have sealed the border. They don't want the Palestinians there. Here's the thing. Nobody wants them. Not in the Arab world. But they're useful to attack Israel with. So, don't forget the suffering of the people people in Gaza. And by the way, tied in with this, don't excuse atrocities from Israeli soldiers, which have happened. I tend to think that from what I've seen and what I know, any Israeli soldier committing the kind of atrocities seen in uh, Israel these past few days would be prosecuted. But there have been and are atrocities. And whilst you can justify bombings, so for example, we justify the bombing of German cities which killed many civilians, women and children in World War II, we must not delight in other people's suffering. So principle four, don't use the doctrine of equivalence. This is what so many do. 
well, what happened to the Jews was horrible, but now look what is happening to the Palestinians. Violence begets violence, as though they are equivalent. And I don't think they are. There will be lots of discussion, and it's not as black and white as sometimes people like to portray. However, the most important point about Hamas's attack on Israel, it was that it was consciously directed against civilians, men, women, children, and the elderly. They went house to house looking to kill civilians. They roamed about that music festival in, southern, in the desert in southern Israel with automatic weapons, just trying to kill as many as possible. Normally, when a soldier kills a civilian intentionally, or perhaps not, they are a little bit ashamed of it. They try to hide the body. It's not what real soldiers do. The Hamas fighters boasted about it and paraded about it. They laughed and cheered as they showed off their kills. They, they videoed the body of a naked woman as they per- paraded her in Gaza. The mass murder of civilians was an aim of Hamas. I don't think the mass murder of civilians is an aim of Israel, whatever you might say. It's designed to intimidate. Incredible. And principle number five, remember the hatred towards the Jews. See, there are far too many Western people who sit in comfort saying, well, you know, they, they shouldn't, the Israeli government shouldn't do this or basically shouldn't do anything. Well, what are they going to do? They've just had 1,200 of their own people. Imagine this. If you're in Scotland, imagine if in one day 5,000 rockets fell between Edinburgh and Glasgow. Imagine if you were in Australia, that happened on Sydney. I mean, when in America 3,000 people were killed in the Twin Towers, America invaded Afghanistan. People go on about two-state solution, and I'd love that to be the case. But there are almost 10 million people in Israel, 7.5 million of whom are Jews. People say, no one would kill 7 million Jews. Well, you have a very, very, very short memory. And when you see the level of hatred. Now, to a very small degree, I have experienced this. As we go through this podcast today, this week, I'll show you some more of it. But my personal story is this. I went to hear the Israeli ambassador speak at the Free Church College. You had to have your name. It's the first time I've seen machine guns on a door. Um, and he came in and he told us. And I actually saw this. I heard this with my own eyes. People chanting and singing. From the Jordan to the sea, Palestine shall be free. They didn't mean politically free. They meant free of Jews. I have no doubt whatsoever that no Jew would be safe in an Israel with open borders. And I think in all of this, my sixth principle is actually the largest one. Pray and weep. I I can't. I just weep for the Jewish people and I weep for the people in Gaza. So I'm going to... We'll go on to other stuff, but let's hear just a little bit of Psalm 23. The Lord. 
As we go through the rest of this, um, we'll, we'll refer back to this because I do want you to see how deep the hatred of the Jews is. In uh, France, very interesting, police have broken up marches in support of Hamas because Hamas is an illegal terrorist organization. Would the police in Australia and United Kingdom did the same thing? In other news, something that would be major news in any normal week, in Afghanistan, two and a half thousand people have been killed in an earthquake. And in Myanmar, the military have shelled a refugee camp, killing at least 20 people. Right. I want to do um, my album of the week. Now, this comes with a wee story. When I was at university in Edinburgh, I stayed in a hall of residence, uh, Pollock Halls of Residence, a place called Salisbury Green. I had a record player with discs, and I belonged to a record club, and I ordered this. Ah! 
that's Immigrant Song from Led Zeppelin 4. When the record arrived, without looking at the cover, I just popped it onto my turntable, and instead of that, I heard this. Now that is Beethoven 6, the Pastoral Symphony. I, I couldn't believe it. I was going to get up and put it off and I was lying on my bed and I was tired and I thought, no, no, I might as well just listen to it. I wasn't into classical music. And it was one of the most extraordinary experiences of my life. It was so beautiful. I thought, this sounds like being in a meadow. This sounds like a storm. This sounds like the calm after the storm. And when I got up and looked at the sleeve describing the music, I'd heard... What Beethoven was writing about was incredible, beautiful. So, in all that goes on, there is tremendous beauty, and this is a great example of that beauty. Okay, let's go to the United Kingdom, and we will come to some of the reaction as well to what's going on in Israel. To me, it's astonishing that Rivka Brown, who works for Novara Media, who were kind of Corbyn's main praise singers, and who Ash Sarwar, the BBC's own luxury communist, also works for, called what happened in Israel a day of celebration. It's wonderful to see Hamas fighters cross into their colonizer's territory. And then she said this when the blood was being pointed out, the struggle for freedom is rarely bloodless. Now, Several days later, she's apologised for that, but it's too late. To say the apology was half-hearted is putting it mildly. The youth wing of the largest party in the Northern Irish Assembly responded to the massacre by putting up a picture of the Palestinian flag. Martina Anderson, the party's representative in Europe, stood in front of the Palestinian flag and tweeted that the violent offences by Palestinian forces has occurred against a sustained intensification of the Israeli state's occupation and apartheid in Palestine since 2022. In Scotland, the Green MSP Ross Greer, representing the Scottish government, wrote on Twitter that Palestinians have a clear right under international law to defend themselves, including by attacking their occupiers. Ross Greer is a member of the Church of Scotland. Not that they'll do anything about it. The Scottish Parliament, meanwhile, rejected hoisting the Israeli flag outside its building. Part of the committee that rejected that is Maggie Chapman, the Greens representative on that committee. She had tweeted at the weekend that what had happened in Palestine was basically Israel's fault. She justified it. And now the Scottish Parliament, one of the very few in the whole of Europe, doesn't fly the Israeli flag. Yeah, I I feel so ashamed of my country. As I recall, we were the only country in Europe that didn't have anti-Jewish laws. 
Now, we're pretty well the only country in Europe that hasn't come out in support of Israel. And incidentally, um, our first minister, Humza Yousaf, is a Hamas supporter. He didn't say anything on Twitter when all this happened. He has spoken since, and actually spoken well and movingly, of his family being in Gaza. But, and you, you do have to feel for him with that. But I just find the attitude of the left. You know, it used to be that the right were the fascists against Jews, and now it's the left. Um, other news in Britain. Um, Rishi Sunak has decided that they are going to get rid of smoking by incrementally banning it from, you know, age 14, age 15, age 16, age 17, and so on. Um, I think that's a really daft decision for lots of reasons, mostly because it will create a black market, mostly because it doesn't work. And there are a number of other implications in that as well. We've got a world where, a Western world, where people want to legalise cannabis and ban smoking. Uh, Net zero in the UK... Well, planting trees in vast schemes to offset carbon emissions is harming nature, an Oxford study has pointed out. And I have no time to go into that, but just also to point out that Germany approved bringing back coal-fired power plants this week um, to help them get through winter. I bet you they regret closing their nuclear ones. And then it's been the Labour Party conference, and in a rather good speech, actually, Keir Starmer, amongst other things, said this. People are looking at us because they want our wounds to heal. And we are the healers. People are looking to us because these challenges require a modern state. And we are the modernizers. People are looking to us because they want to build a new Britain. And we are the builders. But they also look out at the chaos in the world and in Westminster. And they want to know. Can we find that elusive path to an economy that serves their community? Can we deliver the rock of stability they need to move forward with their lives? Shelter from the storm and a passage to calmer waters. Now, it was a rather good speech, but that's hyperbole. We're going to be the healers, the builders of a modern state. We're going to bring order out of chaos, a rock, a shelter from the storm. I really wish politicians wouldn't do this because <clears throat> it... It sets it up as, you know, our hope is in politics. It cannot be. It cannot be. But speaking of healing, let's have a bit more Beethoven.
Now, in Australia, again, we've had some horrific scenes. Not least, um, I've got a picture of some Jews standing, looking out over the opera house, and they were banned from going near it, even though it was being lit up in the Israeli flag because there was a counter-demonstration and the police arrested a Jewish man carrying a flag and allowed people, and they chanted, amongst other things, gas the Jews. Gas the Jews. You wonder where this comes from. This also was a preacher in West Sydney on the streets of Lakemba. Smiling and I'm happy. I'm elated. It's a day of courage. I find it incredible that Jewish residents of Sydney were told to stay in their homes. Terrorist supporters marched in Melbourne. There's a photo of a man carrying a framed photo of Hassan Nasralia, the leader of Hezbollah, which is a prescribed terrorist organization. And that was allowed. By the way, they go mad if, if, if you march in defense of women's rights and you'll get arrested for hate speech if you teach Christianity. But it's okay to do that. In the uh, Canberra, in the ACT, the Chief Minister Andrew Barr said Australians should not take a side in the conflict between Israel and Palestinians. And the Greens voted against a motion condemning the attacks by Hamas. <sighs> the Greens endorsed a pro-Palestine rally, so much for not taking sides. Well, elsewhere in Australia, the voice referendum comes up this weekend and we'll report on it next week. Uh, one thing that's worthwhile noticing is people talk about mis misinformation. We have continually been told by those who support yes that it's 80% of Indigenous people who support the voice. Well, today the latest figures came out and it's actually 59%. Still a majority, but very different. Okay, I need a little bit more chilling with Beethoven. Let's go to the U.S. and we have to run through this fairly quickly. Um, a letter from Harvard University. Students groups blaming Israel for violence in the region. Yep. Co-signed by 33 student groups. Harvard, Harvard 
woke beyond anything. Black Lives Matter, their Chicago chapter, posted out a picture of someone hang gliding with a Palestinian flag and underneath saying, I stand with Palestine. The guys who did that, they hung glided into a music festival in the desert and into kibbutz and elsewhere and killed hundreds. And Black Lives Matter celebrated. And actually, it's funny, the Black Lives Matter movement has refused to condemn their uh, Chicago chapter. Do you remember when people got fired from their jobs for calling Black Lives Matter a terrorist organisation? You know, the English FA, Gareth Southgate, took the knee for BLM. I'm just wondering, will they take the knee or make any statement at all for the 1,200 massacred Jews? Also in America, our uh, Clinton is has been... I was going to say our Clinton, I don't mean our Clinton. But Hillary has been back and saying this. We had very strong partisans in both parties in the past, uh, and we had very bitter battles over all kinds of things, gun control and climate change and the economy and taxes. But there wasn't this little tail of extremism waving, you know, wagging the dog of the uh, Republican Party as it is today. Mm-hmm. And sadly, so many of those extremists, those mega extremists, um, take their marching orders from Donald Trump, who has no credibility left by any measure. He's only in it for himself. He's now defending himself in civil actions and criminal actions. And when do they break with him? You know, because at some point, you know, maybe there needs to be a formal deprogramming of the cult members, but something needs to happen. And how do you do that? Because you That's, again, it's extraordinary. For me, I would have put that at the headline of all of this if it wasn't for what's going on in Israel. Because she's actually arguing there needs to be formal, i.e. government deprogramming of people in another political party, and they need to empower the right people, the people who think like her inside the Republican Party. Hillary herself, of course, is an extremist, an extremist on abortion, and an extremist in other ways. What a mess. But out of America also comes another woman, uh, this woman. She made my week, actually. Uh, uh, this Here's Candace Owens. Hello. What do you have to say to the trans students on this campus who actively feel victimized by your presence here today? Life's tough. Get a helmet, man. I'm too pregnant for this. Next question. Nothing more to say. Uh, Let's come to the UK and the media. Uh, Warning, this next clip does have a couple of bad words in it, swear words in it. I only do it because uh, Lawrence Fox was fired, and and I believe today, on the day I'm recording this, his firing will be um, confirmed. His right to appeal will have gone. But he was fired for saying exactly this. More importantly, though, Carol, about Lawrence Fox, would you shag him? See, I think I probably would, but that's no. <laughs> Call me Gen X. A difference of opinion is no bar. Who wouldn't you shag then? Well, <laughs> not that I'm for with a cure or anything. Now, the question is why is he fired for this, but they can get away with it on the BBC? All right, arts and culture. Just to mention that The Exorcist is back. I don't think we need The Exorcist to remind us of the devil. And that we mentioned before, Neighbours 
that the new woke version, while it's already sinking, uh, one of its latest editions had just a mere 99,000 fans. And then on a kind of wider note, uh, there is a, a meme going around the internet just now asking what did the Romans ever do for us and how often do you as a man, and some people are saying women, <coughs> think of the Roman Empire? I actually think of it quite of a lot, but, but that's because it's part of my job. I'm looking at the New Testament after all. But uh, again, without going into that, I just thought this was also relevant, not just to that discussion, but to the more serious subjects that we've been looking at. Here's Monty Python again. They bled us white bastards. They take everything we had. And not just from us, from our fathers, and from our fathers' fathers. And from our fathers' fathers' fathers. Yeah. And from our fathers' 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 fathers. Don't, don't labour the point. And what have they ever given us in return? The aqueduct? What? The aqueduct. Oh, yeah, yeah, they did give us that. That's true, yeah. And the sanitation. Oh, yeah, the sanitation, Reg. Remember what the city used to be like? Yeah, all right, I'll grant you, the aqueduct and sanitation are two things the Romans have done. And the roads. Well, yeah, obviously yeah. the roads. I mean, the roads go without sand, don't they? But apart from the sanitation, the aqueduct and the roads... Irrigation. Medicine. Yeah. Education. Yeah. yeah, yeah, all right, fair enough. And the wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's something yeah. we've really missed, Reg, if the Romans left. <laughs> Public baths. And it's safe to walk in the streets at night now, Reg. Yeah, they certainly know how to keep order. Let's face it, the only ones who could in a place like this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but apart from the sanitation, the medicine, education, wine, public order, irrigation, roads, a fresh water system and public health, what have the Romans ever done for us? Brought peace? Oh, peace! Shut up! What did the Romans ever do for us? What did the colonizers ever do for us? The Romans brought peace. Yeah. Speaking of Monty Python, Michael Palin had a tremendous interview in the Australian newspaper. And he's asked about the Church of England and his faith. Does he have any religious feeling? And he said, yes, I was brought up in it, but I had too much of it, especially at school. And it became a discipline rather than a faith. I've never been able to deal with the faith bit. I couldn't make that leap. But I enjoy going to church. I like hymns and music and a place away from the noise outside. But there are times when various people said, Michael, you must realize that you're a sinner and your life needs to change. And I say, well, I know I must sin a bit. He laughs. But generally, I try to live a fairly decent moral life. Michael, I'm sorry. But the Hamas terrorists, Israeli soldiers, little children, you, me, all of us, we are all sinners, and none of us live decent moral lives, not deep down. Uh, sport, the less I say about Scottish rugby, or Australian rugby, to be honest, the better. But the Irish are doing remarkably well. Uh, by the time you listen to this, we'll be on to the semi-finals of the rugby. Uh, I love this when the Irish beat uh, Scotland, that their fans burst into the song we played at the beginning. I think it's very appropriate. And the Cranberries belted out once more at Stade de France. Let's enjoy these moments. Let's soak up this noise.
The Seek chapter this week is Seek chapter 12. And an amazing thing has been happening. Each week I put up a chapter, and each week it seems directly relevant to the news. And the chapter this week is Being a Christian Soldier. Now, if you want to find what it is, just go to the website, www.theweeflee.com, and look at Seek 12. Better still, get yourself the book. But uh, we look at just war theory, we look at Christian pacifism, and other things. So I do want to leave it there. I'm going to leave you with a prayer that I put at the end of that chapter, as I put a prayer at the end of every chapter. We're going to leave with the um, Free Church singing Psalm 122, which I used in church last Sunday, pray for the peace of Israel. And we do. I pray for peace in Gaza, pray for peace. I hope next week, I doubt it, but I hope next week when I come, the fighting will be over, but I doubt it. But we pray this prayer. Um, Before we do that, can I just thank Peter for producing this? Those of you who have contributed, please do do send in remarks and comments and news. If you'd like to support the podcast, then please do go to the Podbean fundraiser. If you want to comment, write me, theweeflee at gmail.com or go to the website, uh, theweeflee.com. And uh, and here's my prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the Prince of Peace, yet you are also the warrior who brings justice on the earth. We know that violence and destruction are not your desire for those made in your image. May we be blessed by having peace and by being peacemakers. Come soon and end all war. Amen.